So as we look at the end of 2020 and we begin thinking about 2021, it's an, it's an opportunity to recalibrate, to refocus our lives. If you read blogs or you pay attention to anything kind of lifestyle news, you'll start to hear about people talking about your goals for the new year, your, your resolutions perhaps, and maybe you're a resolution person and you, you've already begun to think through your resolutions. Maybe you're not a resolutions person. <clears throat> maybe you're a person who has resolutions that then they become void after three weeks. That's just kind of how it works. It's like food. You just throw it out after a while. Um, but this is a moment, all joking aside, it's to remember that our lives are intended to be sources um, of, of intentionality. And ultimately, we are made to worship. We're not just made to worship. We're made to worship God. We're made to bring Him glory. Uh, the Westminster Catechism, it's a... It's this catechism, if you don't know what that is, it's questions and answers intended to train people, specifically children usually, in theology. But the first question that it asks is, what is the chief end of man? What is the main purpose of humanity? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And this idea is one of, of bringing focus and honor and glory to God, not making him more glorious, but magnifying the reality of his glory in your life and the lives of those around you. We're made to worship God. And so today I wanted to start, as we begin to think about the new year, I want to begin with worship. So we're going to be reading out of Psalm chapter 15, the book of Psalms, Psalm 115, Psalm 115, not 15. Psalm 115, verses 1 through 18. It's a long passage, so I will read. But if you could stand with me, if you're online and you have the faith for it, stand with me. We stand as a way of reverencing the Word of God as the most important thing in this service. And we're going to listen to God speak to us through His Word. Psalm 115, verses 1 through 18. I'll read it. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does as he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Oh, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made the heavens or made heaven and the earth and earth the heavens are the lord's heavens but the earth he has given to the children of man the dead do not praise the lord nor do those who go down into silence but we will bless the lord from this time forth and forevermore praise the lord we pray with me god we recognize that you have called us to worship you to praise you god i thank you that you have so created us that praise flows out of us as we experience things that bring us joy. 
And God, I pray that, that as we consider 2021 and, and what's passed in this past year, that we come to you with praise for your faithfulness to us in the midst of this year. That we come to you with worship in the midst of our pain and lamentation. That we come to you, God, with glorification. That we would bring glory to you. And God, I pray that you would shine lights into our hearts so that we might see and identify and repent of the idols that we would seek to find satisfaction in. That we would seek to find safety in that we'd seek to find solace in. God, would you make us God worshipers? Would you strengthen our hearts to pursue you even in the, in the moments of pain and suffering and challenge? God, would you make 2021 a year of worshiping God evermore so we might say, like the Israelites, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and evermore. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you for who you are. Be with us now by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I was in high school and in college, I led worship as a guitarist. I'm not nearly as good as Nate, who was up here a moment ago, and that is why Nate is up here. Uh, but, but one of the things I, I would bring the worship team together to do is before we, we sang anything, before we played anything, I would read this first verse, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Because I wanted us to remember in that moment that worship was more than just singing songs. It's more than just performing. It, it's, it's actually not performing. That worship is not just this idea of, of making a, a happy sound and bringing everyone else to experience a happy sound. It's, it's not a concert. It's a, it's a participation, and we are participating in what? Giving God glory. In, in, in not giving him glory as though he lacked it, but, but reflecting back the glory that God has, has shined out. You know, our lives are, they're mirrors, and we can either choose to reflect other things, or we can reflect back to God his light. I love this I love this chapter because it, it speaks of God's glory and our, our need to worship. This psalm is part of a section of psalms called praise at psalms or um, halal psalms. They would have been used as part of the celebration of the Passover. This one, 15, 115 through 118, would actually have been used after the meal. I, th- I believe 113 through and 114 would have been used before the meal. But it was a congregational Praise moment, really. And, and they would have sung this or, or recited this as a way of praising God. And as we can see, the main purpose of this psalm and the main purpose of, of these psalms is to worship the Lord God and to call the God, people of God to worship him. It opens with this petition, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. The, the writer is saying, we, we don't, deserve glory. We don't deserve to be worshipped. We don't deserve to be glorified, but you do, God, because of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We don't know the exact situation around this, this psalm, but we do know that the enemies of the Israelites are calling into question the, the presence and the power of God. If we look at verse 2, uh, we hear them say, why should the nation say, where is their God? Where is their God? 
I mean, how, how many times have you experienced a situation or maybe even coworkers or, or family members who have effectively said, where's your God? Oh man, your life is in shambles. Where's your God? Oh, that, that project that you led, it, it failed horribly. Where's your God? You know, oh, Mr. Christian man in the office. I remember working in a, um, I have a, a background in computer science and, and I, the field of IT and <laughs> You get all kinds of people, but most of them, many of them are, are antagonistic towards God. And, and I, I remember being in this environment where, you know, the fact that I was a Christian was, was considered something to be looked down upon. And, and there was just an attitude seeping out of the people. And it wasn't like I was, you know, for better or worse, I wasn't beating people over the head or with the Bible or quoting it or inviting them to church excessively. It, but just there, there was an understanding that I was a Christian. I didn't do some of the things. I didn't participate in some of the things that they did. And, and sometimes there was just this attitude. They look at the world and look at me and say, where's your God? You know, if, if everything is, is under God, why are things this way? And, and if, we've, if we're honest about 2020, there have been plenty of moments to ask ourselves, where is our God? And perhaps you've asked that question, where is my God? The Israelites are calling on God because they are hearing this accusation and they recognize that God's glory is being called into question. And they recognize that God's glory is connected to their well-being. God is good to us because he's jealous for his glory. That's not to diminish the fact that he is good to us, but that is to, to bring a uh, uh, a foundation, a stability to that goodness. God isn't just good to us because he likes Eddie, which is a good thing because sometimes I'm pretty unlikable. Ask anyone who's close to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I won't go into any stories, but just suffice it to say, <laughs> uh, God, is not, God is not good to me because I'm a nice guy. God is not good to me because I'm, I'm, I'm nice to be around. God is good to me because he has chosen to be good to me and his character demands that he is faithful to those things that he's committed himself to. He says, not to us, O Lord, but to your name be glory for the sake of your steadfast love. Why should the nations say, where is our God? Our God is in heaven and he does all that he pleases. The, the writer here is basically saying, God, people are calling your name into question. Be faithful to your name. Not just be faithful to me, not just be faithful to, to your love, but be faithful to the fact that you have called yourself, you've called yourself steadfast love and faithful. If we were to go back to Exodus chapter, um, what is it, chapter 34, Moses is speaking with, with God on the mount, mountain of Sinai, Mount Sinai, and, and God is about to give him tablets of, of the Ten Commandments, this new covenant that he is establishing with the people of God. And, and Moses asks to see God. Moses wants to, uh, he wants to know him. And in chapter 33, uh, Moses says this in verse 18, Please show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God says to him, I will make known my goodness, and I'll make my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. 
And I will be gracious to whom I, I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my, my face for man shall not see me and live. And, and he goes on to explain that he's going to put him literally like kind of in this crack and he's going to pass by and, and Moses can look on him after he passes by. And then God does this as he's passing by in, in chapter 34. He says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The Israelites were saying, God, you have called yourself by name. You've identified yourself as the Lord, the Lord. (coughs) One who is steadfast in his love. One who is steady in his love and faithfulness. The Lord deserves glory because he is faithful. The greatest appeal that you and I can make to God is to ask him to be faithful to his own character and his own promises. Sometimes I think he's even willing to wait for us to get to that place. You know, maybe you're in a moment of turmoil at work and, and things are really difficult or at home and, and the money's tight or, or you're having conflicts with people around you and you say, God, please help me with this situation. And you, you basically hear back nothing and the, the situation remains. But, but sometimes there's this, this moment where you realize, God, This is as much about you in showing your faithfulness to me as it is about about my problem. I've said this again, but uh, many times, and we've had a number of different financial uh, moments in my in my life uh, where where God has met my needs. But one specific example that's that's fits this situation is that I was trying to go to China. I ha- had been working as an assistant system administrator, and then I got this phone call from an organization related to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, a, a, a campus ministry, and this organization was like, hey, are you still interested in going to China? And I had not signed up for any sort of solicitation from them, so I was like, well, I don't know how they got my name. I don't know how they knew I wanted to go to China. This must be from God. And so I signed up. I gave my, my office like two days notice, and that was not good. Um, don't do that as you, if you're a college student. Um, plan as much as you're able to. Anyways, I, I did that, and, and I had to raise money to get there, about you know $4,000, something like that. And, and I was $2,000 short a week out. It was a week before I was supposed to fly out, and I was $2,000 short. And I tell some friends, and, and we're praying, and we're asking God to to meet this need, and I get this card that day with all of the money I needed in it. it yes, it's, praise God. And what, what, what was significant about that is that I was doing exactly what Jesus had said, pursue the kingdom, and all of these things will be added to you. In this particular case, I wasn't being presumptuous. I wasn't, you know, God's going to pay for all of my things. You know, I really would like this cool car, and I'd like this nice house, and I'd like to go out to eat. It wasn't as though I was saying, God, these wants are things that you need to provide for me. But I was pursuing his kingdom, and he had promised, you know, if you pursue my kingdom, all these other things I'm going to add to you. And sometimes in our lives, we need to bank on not just that God is good, but we need to look at the specific promises that he makes to us and say, God, you've made this promise. Be faithful to your word. The Israelites say, oh God, for the sake of your steadfast love and your, 
your faithfulness, Lord, help us. And then they, they reflect back on who God is. Our God is in heaven. He does all that he pleases. He does all that he pleases. In contrast, they begin to reflect on the idols of men in verses 4 and following. Their idols are silver and gold. They work with, they're the works of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throats. Those who make them become like them, and so do all who trust in them. Idols are incapable of action. They're incapable of responding to the petitions of their worshipers. They are effectively dead. And what does he say in verse 8? Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. Those who worship idols die, both spiritually and physically. We see in Ephesians chapter 2, the the Apostle Paul talks about this, this status of being under the under the influence of idolatry. And he says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And it's not just sins, as though that was the problem. He goes on and he says, uh, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. And this following is essentially worshiping. Now that's not to say that, that those who are not saved are, are walking and, and they're bowing down to an, to an image of Satan, but, but there is a reality that if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something else. And nothing else in creation was ever intended to be worshiped. God did not create anything else to be worshiped. God created all of these things to be pointers, to be reflectors back to the creator. If you can imagine, our world was intended to be this, this multi-dimensional mirror, mirror show where light flows in and it's reflected and everyone sees it and it just becomes this huge ball of light where everyone sees the glory of God. But when the fall happened, it broke that and now people are, are reflecting one another and other things and, and worshiping other things. Those who worship them will die. In Genesis 2, God promises Adam and Eve that if they disobey, that they will die. And they don't die immediately, but but their disobedience, it causes death to enter into the world. You may not worship carved or shaped statues or images, but we are all tempted to devote our lives, our time, our energy, our resources to things other than God. Our temptation to sin, our temptation to get angry, our temptation to get jealous, our temptations to be prideful, underlying all of those are a commitment to something other than the glory of God. Anger. Oh, that person shouldn't have cut me off in traffic. That person shouldn't have leaped ahead, gone over my head at at work. That person, that, you know, that spouse shouldn't have said that thing to me. Underneath that is self-worship. I'm God. This is my world. You cannot Transgress, transgress my will. That's, that's idolatry. Jealousy, I should have that thing. That should be mine. That's the idolatry of self. And, and, and idolatry exists all, I mean, I could keep going. But, it, but if you want to consider, okay, where does idolatry exist in your life? Where, aside from God, do you find relief? 
Where, aside from God, do you, do you find affirmation and identity? Where, aside from God, do you seek fulfillment? Now, we, we want to be careful here because God has given people to us to do some of these, these things. But they're, they're, so for example, my wife, she's awesome, and I love her very much. And, and God has given her to me in part to provide affirmation and identity. But she's not providing those things apart from what God has done. She is reaffirming what God has done and said. So, so the identity that she affirms in me is an identity in Christ that God has given me. The affirmation that she gives me, the love that she gives me, is the love of a, a fellow Christian devoted to God with whom I get to partner in my life and honor God. So there are kinds of, of, of things that we can receive from other people that are really the hands and feet of God at work in our lives. So I'm not saying that those things are bad. But there are those things where we seek relief, where it is illegitimate, and that's outside of the will of God. You know, where, where we seek, for example, a simple example that we can pick on is entertainment that doesn't glorify God, but it allows me to turn my brain off for just 30 minutes and, and not deal with my problems. Let me, just, let me just watch 30 minutes of the show. I know that if Pastor Eddie were in the room with me, I would be changing the channel. I would be going to a different website, but, but I'm just going to watch this. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this music. And I know that this is not, you know, the words are kind of going counter uh, the, the revelation and the reality of God. And, and really it's saying things that are the opposite of the truth, but it's, it's, pleasurable, it's pleasurable to me and enjoyable. And the way that they... They, they work, their craft is encouraging, and so I'm going to do this thing. Or, or you know, I, I know I'm working too much and I'm spending too much time, but, but it brings a sense of peace and, and accomplishment to me that I'm, I'm lacking otherwise. See, it's when we pursue things illegitimately that, that those things were never intended to, to provide that for us that we begin to worship, that we begin to sacrifice ourselves and our identity for the sake of those things. These idols promise relief, affirmation, identity, fulfillment, but they are dead. And ultimately, anyone who trusts in them will become like them. Family, don't, don't pursue idols. And don't kid yourself that you don't have idols in your life. Myself included. Don't kid yourself that there aren't things that at least vie for your your affections. They vie, they, they, they pursue your devotion. You know, I heard one pastor say it, when any good thing becomes a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. You know, there are a lot of good things that we, we can enjoy. God gives us food. Another, I love food. And we all probably enjoyed some food during the Christmas moment. But if you pursued food as a way of eating your emotions, dealing with and processing your problems... Rather than taking your problems and, and your emotions to God and saying, God, help me through this, that, that's idolatry. But God, he offers a real help to those who trust in him. If we read on, it says in verse 9 and following, Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. Don't trust in these idols, guys. Don't trust in these dead objects, but trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Oh, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is what? Their help and their shield. God knows that you need help. 
God knows that you have challenges. God knows that there are things that are broken in your life. God knows that there's pain in your life, and he is waiting to be your help and your shield, your support and your protector. But sometimes he's waiting. He's waiting for you to do the necessary thing of coming to him and asking him. He's waiting. He's able to help his people. He's faithful to his people. He's capable for his people. Do you need help today? As you consider 2020, have you needed help? Now, I'm, not, I'm not speaking to the purpose of the many challenges that we've experienced in 2020, and I'm not going to say, you know, this is why God did X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to, to communicate that. But in the midst of what did happen, social upheaval, pandemic, economic challenges, in the midst of all of this, we have been given opportunities to go to God for help. And if you haven't availed yourself of those opportunities, God will give you other opportunities to avail yourself of his help. He is faithful. The writer goes on and, and, and shifts from what God will do to what, what, he, or what he, uh, we should do to what he will do. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. Those words are an encouragement to you, to me, and I hope they're an encouragement to you because they're a promise in the word of God. And that means that these two verses can become a foundational call to God that we just talked about. I just mentioned that we should pursue God's help on the basis of his promises. And he has promised the Lord will remember us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He, bless, he will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. God does not, he does not discriminate based on your, your stature. He does not look at you and, and say, well, you know, how do you compare to others in your world? You know, you're not a celebrity. You're not an influencer, so I'm not going to listen to you. No, small or great, he says, come to me and I will bless you. Now, we have to take that understanding on his terms. We don't get to say, okay, this, this cup called blessing, I'm going to fill it with a Ferrari and say, God, give that to me. No, we have to see, okay, what has God said? What does he mean when he says he will bless us? But he does promise to bless us. And then the, the psalmist says, may the Lord give you increase. You and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And I, I love this. There's, there's so much of, of, of the, the psalmist saying kind of, um, my dad is bigger than your dad. Right? He says in, in verse, verse 3, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. What about your dad? And then here he says in verse 15, may you be blessed by the Lord. Well, which Lord are you talking to? One? Oh, just the one who made heaven and earth. What did your Lord do? Oh, well. He was actually cut out of a piece of wood and was made, and then someone accidentally set him on fire, so now he's just ash. But um, no, our God is great, and, and sometimes, you know, if you're not careful, you can almost treat it as kind of a lackadaisical truth, like, oh yeah, God made the heavens and the earth. I, I know that's a fact that I've, I've realized that. But have you ever just, have you been outside lately and looked out at the sky and thought to yourself, God made that. I mean, just go online and Google the size of the sun. Just get some facts in your head and realize that God, in a moment, was like, you know what? I think there should be stars. 
I think there should be light. I think there should be physics. I think that there should be gravity. I think that gravity is a thing. Like, he didn't just decide. I mean, he created it. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. May you be blessed. And he goes on. He says, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord nor do any who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. He again kind of appeals to God and says, God, don't let us die. Don't let us experience this kind of suffering or judgment, but, but let us live because it's the living that bless you. It's the living that praise you. It's the living that give you glory. We will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. God's glory and his salvation should lead us to worship him. If, if you struggle to engage with worship, perhaps some of it's, you know, maybe we don't play the songs you like, or maybe, you know, you get distracted. Or, but sometimes we, we don't worship because we don't appreciate the salvation that God has given us. We don't worship because we don't feel any need to worship. You know, when, when, you're, <laughs> when we were watching football back in the day, you may still be watching football. I never have been. But I know that. When you watch football, there are moments where you're like, yes! And you praise and proclaim the awesomeness of your team. You know, maybe there's an interception or there's a touchdown, and you're like, yes, this is awesome! And it just comes out of you as a response to the awesomeness that you see in front of you. And, and that's a natural, God-given expression. All the football fans are, fans are like, yes, Amen. And, and, and the reality is that, is that is what we were intended to do because we are worshipers. For me, it's, it's, it's tasting good food. And, you know, ask, again, ask my wife and, and she'll tell you, yes, when Eddie tastes something good, he almost invariably will say, taste this, taste this, taste this. You have to taste this. Because there's something about experiencing worship with other people, praise, enjoyment, not worship, hopefully, <laughs> of things where, where I want to participate and I want other people to participate. And, and, and that's an expression of, of how we ought to respond to God ultimately. And if we aren't responding to God with a, yes, it's, it might be because we don't sense the need for it. We don't see him for who he is. But the psalmist says, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord because he has spent 18 verses reflecting and remembering and considering the awesomeness of God in contrast to the idols of men. As we, as we close out this year by the grace of God, as we, as we look on to 2021, you know, there's, there's nothing magical in the turning of the calendar. There's nothing magical about going from the 31st to the 1st. But there is something significant about saying, God, I, I'm taking this moment and, and using it as an opportunity to realign my life as a worshiper. And, and God, I pray that 2021 would be a year where I would worship you in spirit and in truth. That it wouldn't just be a Sunday morning singing thing, but it would be an attitudinal thing where my, my life is, is toward you. You know, in, in John, as I close, in John chapter 1, 
I preached on that on Christmas Eve, but it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, uh, and the Word was God, talking about Jesus. And, and the word there, with, it's not actually the, the Greek word for with. It's toward. And so there's this almost picture of, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was toward God. He was turned toward God. And, and I think in part that God is giving us a picture in Jesus Christ of one who is, his disposition is faced toward God and his life is directed toward God. And we see that in the life of Jesus Christ, his life was directed toward God. And, and the good news, the amazing news is, is, is that even when we fail and we are idolaters, that God is still, he is faithful to his people because Jesus himself was toward God. And in his humanity, he worshiped God faithfully. He was faithful to give God, his Father, glory. And, and if, if you've failed to do that, your hope is not in your ability to do it better in 2021. This is not a set some good resolutions sermon. This is a trust God. Trust the God of the Bible. Trust the God of the Old Testament. Trust God who then sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was toward his Father, and trust the fact that because of his righteousness, because he existed and was toward him, that I can thus be forgiven when I am set away from him, and I can now walk in faithfulness, living my life toward God. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would make us worshipers. God, I pray that we would, we would see you with clarity for who you are, the maker of heaven and earth, our sustainer, our provider, our, our comfort, our helper. And God, I pray that we would see these promises and we would call upon them and, and we would experience your faithfulness and your steadfast love. And in so experiencing these things, we would be uh, compelled to praise your name, to worship you, to bubble up with praise that the sin in our life would be expelled not just by sheer willpower but by a greater affection. God, I pray this for my life that 2021 would be a year of walking in faithful worship of the God who has saved me, the God who sustains me, the God who is present with me by his spirit, the God who loves me despite myself. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you never trusted God and you find yourself having worshipped idols, today is a day to turn away from your idols and turn away to turn to God. The Bible says that if we repent, which just means if we turn away from these things and we commit ourselves to Him, He's faithful and right. He's just to forgive us of our sins. And if that's you... I, I would love for you to respond by praying this with me. There's nothing magical in the, in, in the prayer. It doesn't, it doesn't itself save us. It's a, a response to what our heart is experiencing by the power of God. But if you pray this, it could encourage you. Pray, God, I, I turn away from everything I know to be sin. I turn away from disobedience. I turn away from, from all the things that I know are an expression of, of worshiping something other than you. And I turn to you. And I thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross to take on the punishment for my sin, that he rose again on the third day, defeating Satan's sin and death and offering eternal life to me. And I receive it. 
God, help me to walk in a manner now that pleases you, not as a way of earning my salvation, but in response to the salvation that you have wrought in Christ. If that's you and you prayed that prayer, please let someone know. If you're online, you can let one of our hosts know. If you're here in the room, you can come to the altar after service and speak with someone. God, you are good to us. Not to us, O Lord, but to your name be glory because of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We pray this over 2021. Lord, let your name be glorified. In Sterling, let your name be glorified. In Grace Covenant Church, let your name be glorified. In Virginia, let your name be glorified. In, in our United States, God, let your name be glorified. And in our world, God, let your name, Jesus Christ, be glorified over all. Pray it in your name.